Well, I'm excited to share with you today. I just want to pray and just thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord. You are with us. You're with us right now. Your word is here. Just pray, Lord, that it would crack open, Lord, our hearts. Speak to us. Go with us, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a lot of things that I want to say, so I'm going to get right to it, but I want to just let the Lord lead today. I don't know if I'll say everything. If not, I will say it next week. It's the beauty of being here every week. <laughs> but I just wanted to make a few statements, and I want to say this first, that it's okay not to understand everything. It's okay not to understand everything. Because we know the one who does. We know the one who does understand everything. And so many times we're asking him, Lord, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand. Are we all like the rest of us? I just want to, I'm just going to do this, ready? Here's the invisible me today. I'm just going to be preaching right here because I need to hear this today. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself. But every time we say, I don't understand, even if God could, he doesn't because he knows why. He knows why. But even if he could explain us to us what's going on in that particular situation, with what capacity could he use? He's God. He's from such a different perspective. I want you to remember that word today. That'll be our key word, perspective. He's from outside of your perspective, from his perspective. And as a parent, to try to, to teach a three-year-old what it means to go to work and make money and pay the bills and put, how, where does food come from? I mean, if I wanted to explain it to them, I could try but their mind is not even ready yet to understand. All I'm going to do is confuse them. And that's just, I'm trying to create a picture with human words. We're talking about God's understanding versus man's understanding. God's ways are not our ways, are they? He is so far above. He's so high. I love him so much, don't you? He deserves our praise, deserves our worship, but I also get to love him and he loves us. As I say many times, he could be any God he wanted. He decided how he would create us. Did you know that he had a choice in the matter, how he made you? And he chose us to have free will and chose us to choose to love him back. He chose to shower us with so many things so that we could look and see how good he is, right? I'm going to look at that verse today, hopefully. I'll just say it right now, taste and see, right? We're going to look, we can see, taste and see. We can see how good he is just by looking at our lives, looking at what he's done for us, how he's been faithful time after time after time. But we are all just like the rest of us. I'm literally embarrassed I'm embarrassed before God when I go through a stressful and worry time. I'm truly embarrassed when he brings me through it that I didn't trust him. 
You do trust him in the end, but I, you, I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry that I even worried at all. Because you've never left me before. You've never forsaken me before. I certainly have had a lack of understanding in most of those situations, and yet you brought us through. So why am I confused now? Just because I don't understand. He's good, isn't he? He's good all the time. And God, what's our 20, line for 2018? God always wins. Doesn't matter how lost you feel or what you feel like you're in a place of a loss physically, mentally, spiritually, monetarily, whatever your loss is, God always wins. And we need to be focused on eternity. We need to be focused heaven bound. There's a song on the radio and it's in a Christian radio and it says, our tears like raindrops, right? The last lines of the song say, I wonder if all of this, it's just to know you're near, like I'm going through, I'm gonna paraphrase the song to one, to one idea that's that, I don't understand, but maybe what I'm going through is just so that I will get closer to you. It forces me closer to you. And so that I would look at heaven and realize that this place does bring some heartache, but what that does is not to stay there, but it just reminds me that there's a place with no more tears. There's a place ahead of us with no more heartache. And that encourages us. It inspires us to keep going, to keep trusting, right? Keep going. We just need to keep trusting him. Thy will be done no matter what. And all the greats of the Bible, they learn to come and lesson. Every single one of them, they have different details, same story. Come on, I want you to say that out loud. I've got different details, but I've got the same story. We're all going through the same exact thing, just different details, and it's this. Life gave them twists and turns, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. But, come on, but they learned, come on, those, the greats of the Bible, those, there are many that didn't learn, unfortunately, but those that we still talk about today in his word, they learned to rely on God and trust in his faithfulness, didn't they? Every single one of them, you had to. Until they came to that place, God didn't use them. Of course, he used them in small ways and was growing them, and they were constantly being used and, and just right where they're at. But for the, the great plan that he had them born for, they, never did, they didn't get there until they came to a complete and total emptying of themselves, total trust, God your will be done, just as Jesus taught us. And I want us to look at perspective. I have three points that I want us to consider today. Time, relative, and view. Those three words. Time, relative, and view. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22. It says that God sits, God sits above the circle of the earth. Where does God sit? God sits above. 
Where does God sit? God sits above. Now, I don't bring my personal hobbies into Sunday very often, but I've got a great analogy. In hunting, we use a tree stand. And the reason we use that is because on the ground, I can see what's on the ground in front of me. But if I can just raise myself up 18 or 20 feet, now my perspective changes. And now I don't just see what's standing in front of me because that's too late. Now I can see what's coming. I can see what's behind. I can see what's been sitting right behind that bush for the last two hours that I was sitting here. And so God sits above. His perspective is larger. It's farther away. It's, it's, but yet he's so close to us and intimate with us and loves us. And the moment you cry, the moment you, you pray to him, he hears us. Only God can do both things at once. Only he can look from, from such a far point of view and see everything at once. He sees creation and revelation at once. Isn't that incredible? Even science are just starting to figure out how time how it's, it's a circle. Isn't that incredible? They're just starting to see that actually, that and we're just on the, on the edge of it. They don't even have it figured out yet, but it's like a circle. God is sitting above it. He's above it all. Come on, why don't you say that aloud? God is above it all. And the people below seem like grasshoppers to him. <laughs> it says, he spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes a tent and he makes his tent from them. God lives in the heavens. Isn't that incredible? It says in verse 25, To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. We should be reminded of these verses often, believers. We need to be constantly reminded. God didn't waste his breath God, everything that God said was for a reason. Everything that he inspired, Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and fast forward New Testament and Peter and John, that they penned down for us was for a reason. And it says, who is my equal? Why does God ask us these questions? Just to remind you, not to make you look. He's not saying you're just a grasshopper. He's just saying, don't forget that from my point of view, you're small. Not that I don't care for you so much that I lay down my very life for you. So he's not making us small and, and making fun of us. He's just saying, listen, you need to see things. You need to understand that I'm a little smarter than you. Right? Parents, come on, parents, we can identify. I was a child and now I'm a parent. And I remember both sides. It wasn't too long ago that I don't remember hearing that. We're just a little bit smarter than you. Right now. I wasn't, I was offended then. I'm not offended now. I get it. I get it. We just had this, <laughs> had this conversation. Elijah's not in here, so I can say it. I just said to him, okay, Dawn, we were arguing with him. And I said, no, Dawn, he knows. He knows best. He knows what he's talking about. Because what are you going to do? When you get to that place, they just, there's not even any teaching, isn't there? And that's what God says to us so many times. We need to be reminded. Look up into the heavens, he says. Come on. Wow, I love these words. Who created all the stars? You did, right? 
So you know best. You know what I'm doing. <laughs> you, 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 you got it. Like, <laughs> you figure it out. No, he's just reminding us. He's reminding us who he is. He said he brings them out like an army one after another, calling each by its name because of his great power and incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. So he knows. The Bible says that he has numbered the hairs on your head. God knows what he's doing. Everybody, come on. God knows what he's doing. It says in 27, Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Verse 28, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength, strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fail and ex- fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Come on, this is our favorite, right? We know this verse. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Why? Those that trust in him. He's saying, when I look down at the earth, it's small. I, I can see it all. I can see from the beginning to the end. I wrap myself in the stars of heaven, which looks so big to you. And yet he says... That if you trust in me, if you trust in me, even when you fail and your weakness, eventually you're gonna, you can push so hard and you're going to find yourself at an end of you. But those who trust in me, there's a strength in me. There's a place of height that I can take you to. Uh, there's a place I will give you strength that I've got. Come on. What God is actually saying there is, I'm high, you're low, but if you trust in me, where do we get to be? I will take you and place you in a higher perspective. If you'll let me, I'll let you see how I see. Come on, he said, I'll, I'll take you and I'll put you on the wings as an eagle. And you know what's amazing about the eagle? We have this term, right? Eagle eye. You know why that is? Because they fly so high above and yet they have this laser vision. They will see their prey from above the clouds. Well, probably if there's a cloud in their way, they can't see. But you know what I mean. From those heights. From those heights. And then they swoop down. They come down at the right moment. God says, if you'll trust me, I'll give you a new perspective. Who wants a new perspective on their situation? Who wants a better perspective? Who wants not just better, because the world can try to offer you better. I'll give you a better perspective. In fact, I Googled and I found so many funny stories, things that really touched my heart about perspective. I might share some. But we don't just want their perspective. I don't want uh, an enlightened perspective. I don't want a refreshed perspective. I don't just want a good perspective on life. I want God's perspective. And so do you. You want God's perspective. Because no matter how good it is in the natural, no matter how, uh, you know, how much 
thought you've put into it and how much you've planned and, and so on, you are never, ever going to be able to see your life and, and, and beyond. And that's, I can't wait to share with you. I'm literally itching to share a story that's beyond your life. You can't, you, how do you possibly plan generations ahead of you? Only God can do that. God knew what he was doing. He literally planned Jesus to be born ahead, generations ahead. How do you, how do you choose to marry this one and marry that one, keep this bloodline clean? Nobody even, God's watching from above and you're just saying, this one's good looking, that one's good looking. But God's like, well, I put that in you before you even thought that puts you together on purpose because I'm bringing a son who's going to be a man who's going to die on a cross, who's going to shed his blood, who 2,000 years later will still be talking about him and thanking him for the blood that was shed because two people decided to get together thousands of years ago. I mean, come on. We just need to be reminded that God's big. God knows what he's doing. God's got a plan, but our perspective changes when we're in it. Come on. When we're in it, it's so hard. It's so easy to look from the outside in. But it's hard when you're in it, isn't it? It's amazing about, I just want to say about time. The amazing thing about time is, right, we have some sayings. Um, time flies when you're having fun, don't we? And yet time goes so slow when you're in pain <laughs> or you're in suffering, a long day at work. But this is what's interesting. Does time even exist? I mean, how is it possible it's the same exact second, same exact moments, same exact days, and yet when you're having fun, where did the time go? You just can't, vacations end. I've told Dawn so many times, I might as well just put my bags away now when we're on the way out the door because that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to hate that I have to put all this stuff away. My vacation's going to be a blur. But then when you got to go to a hard day at work, it feels like that was twice as long as your vacation. How is that possible? Why, what is it? It's all perspective. It's our perspective. It's literally our perspective can either speed up time or drag down time. It's incredible, and yet it's a reality in us, but we have to see things through, through God's eyes. Relative. They have some, some sayings. They say those are luxury problems. <laughs> luxury problems. I read some neat things. It says, while you wish you had what someone else has, other people wish they had your problems. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I read a good statement. It says, we can complain because rose bushes have thorns, or we rejoice because, thor because thorns have roses. Isn't that amazing? All perspective. But see, this is what God offers us. God says, you can sit with me. In Colossians 3, verse 1, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, because it says, verse 1, since you, Colossians 3, 1, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Wait, is that, what does that say? Since, past tense, who's been raised to life with Christ? Everybody in here, if you've said yes to Christ and you've surrendered your life to him, that means since I've been raised with Christ, set your sights, come on, set our sights on the realities of heaven. 
where Christ sits. Where does Christ sit? Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Christ sits, listen, at God's right hand. And he tells us, because we've been raised with who? Christ. So where does Christ sit? He's sitting at the right hand of God. So where should we be sitting? Verse 2, think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. Verse 3, 4, you, come on, I want you to say this out loud. I died to this life. Our real lives are hidden with Christ. Your real life is with Christ where? Well, we already, the scriptures are telling us plain as day, Christ sits at the right hand of God. Present day, right now, that's where he is. The reason he's in your heart is because we got to go to Matthew 15. I'm in you and you're in me. And only God can do this. Only spirit, flesh can't do this. But because of the spirit of God in us, we're still on this earth in the body. But our spirit right now, if you'll let that be your reality, instead of this being your reality, your spirit is in Christ immediately he is in you. He's in your body on this earth, but you are in him right now at the right hand of God. You are in him right now. Come on, everybody. I'm in him. That means our perspective should be from heaven. We're looking from a heavenly perspective. That's why it says you need to set your sights on the realities of heaven. It's hard, though, when you're in the moment. I know, because I'm in them with you. When you're in the moment, we forget, and we forget, and we forget. So the Lord is so good about reminding us. You know, the Bible, I sit, joke with Dawn all the time, that it's the same exact story about this thick. This book is this thick, and yet it's the same story over and over again. And we could say, oh, well, that's repetitive and unnecessary. But then we have to remember human nature. That needs to be reminded one billion times, and then a billion more. We just need to be reminded and reminded and reminded and reminded and reminded, and then I'm going to remind you again next week that Jesus loves you. I'm going to say it again. It says in Ephesians 2, verse 6, for he raised us from the dead. Present tense, not just one day. You're not going to be raised from the dead one day. You've been raised from the dead right now. If you are in Christ, if you are calling on his name, if he's your God, you have been raised from the dead, present tense. You are no longer dead. You are alive and you are seated with him in heavenly realms right now because you are united with him. Colossians 2 says in verse 13, you were dead because of your sins. But it says, then God made you alive. He forgave your sins. Verse 14, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, I love what it says here. Verse 15, Colossians 2, 15 says, he, what's that say? He disarmed. 
Come on. I've been, this whole, this last like two months, I've been just pushing us to be believing, to be praying. I've been telling you story after story with Peter and Nehemiah and with, with in, in the book of Daniel, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel himself, that they needed to keep trusting God, that there was a spiritual war. There is still a spiritual war today for your soul to try to take it to hell with it, but it's going to fail. God's going to win, but don't be surprised at that. Everything around you, the weights that you feel, the pressures that you feel, all those things are just trying to take you down. But God is so good, isn't he, that he uses them, the very same things that come at you to kill you, they came to kill Jesus. Come on, I'm going to say that my whole life. You could, you're going to say, he always says that. But they used, they thought, the devil thought that when he put Jesus on the cross that he won. He didn't realize that he just made things way worse. Because now there was no going back. Now I'm free. Now I'm whole. Now it's abolished. Now the disarmament is done. It's not, doesn't need to be continued to be disarmed. It's literally the choice for you to live in the flesh or you to live in the spirit. It's literally your choice. That's the only thing that keeps us here on this earth is your choice. Just like your choice kept you away from Christ before you came to him. It was your choice. That's it. It's the only thing separating us from the realities of heaven and seeing that way is you choosing to see this way. That's incredible. It is unbelievable. When we realize that, it's easy to say, much harder to actually live. But just keep saying it. Keep telling yourself, this is not my home. And this reality, this is not real. He said he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9, it says, See, because this is all perspective, right? We're going to look to see things God's way. You know, we understand. I mentioned time. I mentioned how everything is relative. And I need to really pound this view, this view from God's perspective, that it's all about our view. The Bible says that our knowledge is, what's that word? Partial and incomplete. This is New Testament. This is post-Christ, okay? Listen, it says that, that the revelation we have, the prophets of old, they dreamed that they could have it. But, come on, but we still do not have the full revelation. Even though the revelation we have with Christ in us, with the Holy Spirit with us, is so much greater than they had in the Old Testament, it's not complete yet. We still are relying upon him. It says, our knowledge, present tense, the knowledge we have today, the revelation we have today is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. Prophecy, I love it. God, did you know that there is still prophecy today? Don't listen Maybe you've heard that lie that that's been done with, that that finished. I don't find that in the scriptures. I don't see one verse that says that prophecy stopped, except their opinion. But that's another message. Prophecy is still real, but even with amazing prophecy, there's some weird ones too. But when God's speaking and he gives a prophecy and says, this is what it's going to be, this is how it's going to be, who has had a prophecy in your life but didn't like how it 
got unraveled. <laughs> yes. Because he only showed you a piece. And it was just enough to whet your appetite, to trust him, to walk with him. If he showed you the whole thing, come on, this is an old saying in Christianity, but if he showed you the whole picture, you would have ran out that door. No way. There's no way I'm standing up and speaking in front of people. Dawn. <laughs> there is no way they'll play that guitar and sing in front of a group of people. Sorry. But God just says, hey, why don't you work on this guitar? I'll put that in your hand. I can do that. And your perspective is, I'll be in my room. I'll worship him. Just got, I'll have an amazing experience with him. God's funny, but he knows what he's doing. It's only partial. See, the Amplified says, it says, our knowledge is fragmentary, it says. Come on, say that word, fragmentary. That means incomplete and imperfect. Our prophecy, our teaching, it's fragmentary. It's a part of the whole. God's got the whole. He knows the other parts. So it's our job to listen to the one part. Come on, listen to his word. He knows what he's doing. Don't try to understand it because the piece that you've got, if you won't even get that right, then the whole picture is certainly going to be off. We need to trust him in the little part he's shown us because he knows what he's doing. I'm going to keep saying that. Sorry. It says, verse 12, for we now look, for now we are looking in a mirror that gives only a dim, blurred reflection of reality. Right now, we're looking in a mirror that gives only a dim, blurred reflection of reality, as in a riddle or enigma. But then when perfection comes, we shall see in reality and face to face. One day we're going to see it clear. One day he's going to take us all on a school bus like little children across space. He's just going to show us everything. Come on, children. I want to show you my universe. Who's looking forward to that day? Come on. We should be looking forward to that. But right now, come on, everybody say it out loud. This is my reality. And we're going to make it count. We're going to live for him because we're focused on heaven. We understand that we only see in part, and I'm going to make that part count. Come on. I only see in part, so I'm going to make that part <laughs> count. But then I shall know and understand and fully and clearly, even in the same manner as I've been fully and clearly known and understood by God. He's going to tell you, the, listen, you'll get the rest of the story. Just trust him right now. All right, I held you off long, and I, I mean, I have so much I could say, but I've got to tell you the story, and I don't want to keep you here all day. I read a story that literally, I don't think I will, but it drove me to tears, and I just kept crying. I don't cry like I don't run, 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 but I feel like I'm going to cry. That's me crying. But this story, I just want everybody, I, I tell Dawn, okay, you ready? If she's distracted, I stop and I wait and I'll start again. When I tell her something important, I want to make sure I have her 100% attention. All the details count. Everybody with me? <laughs> 200 years ago, this is a true story. 200 years ago, a group of black slaves prayed for the abolition of slavery on a farm in Lake Providence, Louisiana. And what they would do is 
their master would beat them relentlessly if they were caught praying. So what they did is they had this big cast iron kettle and they would cook in it during the day, wash their clothes in it at night. Just when I read that part, I was like, man, Lord, so humbling just to realize how good we have life, isn't it, today? But they would take this pot, they'd sneak into the barn, they would prop it up with some rocks, they'd lay on the ground, prostrate before the Lord, and they would pray into this pot, and it would muffle their prayers. The pot was passed down with its story for generation and generation, and it's still around today. But there was something very interesting. The Bible says in Revelation 5, verse 8, it says that when he took the scroll, the four living beings, this is Revelation, so it's a little interesting to read, but this is amazing. It says that each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense and which are the prayers of God's people. They didn't even realize. They just were, they decided we need to pray. This is worth our prayer. They didn't even realize that they were actually touching into a spiritual place. During the same time, there were some white preachers like Charles Finney and Francis Asbury and black preachers like Frederick Douglass, and they became voices for the voiceless. Their prayers whispered in private were being proclaimed. And they began preaching revival, but also calling for the abolition of slavery. God hears our prayers, doesn't he? Their prayers were beginning to be answered in 1865 when the Civil War ended. History records that the last major battle the Civil War ended on a property called Lockett Farm in Virginia. The Confederate Army was in the front, and the Union Army was in the back, and the house still stands to this day riddled with bullets. After the Confederate Army surrendered, that house became a hospital for both sides, and former black slaves helping white nurses to heal both armies in this house. Finally, layer after layer, these prayers were being answered all the way into the 1960s with Martin Luther King Jr. standing up for the removal of this boundary between white and black. You guys ready to be floored? I'm just telling you history right now. 13 years ago, on Martin Luther King Day, at the place that he said, I have a dream, right in front of Lincoln Memorial, a white man and a black man met. They became friends, and they started working together in ministry. They worked in ministry to abolish another injustice that, to a people with no voice, the unborn. Together they worked to end abortion. When they started working together, they didn't know who each other was. The two men's names are Will Ford and Matt Lockett. Will Ford is the owner of that cast iron pot because it was passed down to him as a descendant of the slaves who prayed into it 
200 years ago. The family that owned the slaves, that prayed those first prayers in this pot, is the same family that owned the farm in Virginia where the Civil War ended, Lockett Farm. That means that the prayers prayed into this pot to end slavery years later came to pass on their descendants' property. Is God not incredible? The amazing thing, there's more to the story and I'm going to continue, but I want to make this point. The amazing thing is that those that prayed those prayers didn't even get to see this miracle from earth. But with today's sermon, if their perspective was heaven bound from the beginning, their perspective didn't change even though the body died and time continued. They believed that God would do what he said he would do, so they saw it from another realm. But we need to see it from another realm where we're alive. But bigger than that, Matt Lockett, his friend in the ministry, he recently found out that he is a descendant of the abolitionist preacher. These two men, black and white, One was a slave, one's a descendant of the preacher that was going around to abolish slavery in that town. Greater than that, he is a descendant of the family who owned the farm, Lockett Farm. So 200 years ago, prayers were prayed to end slavery. But 200 years later, the descendant of a slave and the descendant of the owner both came together and are working together today. Do you realize how amazing God is? How amazing God is. How big he is. The very farm where the Civil War ended. The Civil War ended the largest part. There was more battle. Technically, there's still battle today. But their biggest part of the battle to legally end slavery happened on the very property that the pot where the prayers were prayed ended up. And the same, God's not done. Come on. God's not done. God's not done. He's not finished. He's still abolishing. He's still uniting. God's still connecting. God said, I'm not done. You prayed to end slavery. You have a a short-sighted perspective. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll answer that. But I'm going to do even greater than that. I'm going to use your descendants 200 years from now, and I'm going to make them friends. One was beating you, and one day they won't even know it. 13 years before they even found this. They only found this out four years ago. They didn't find this out and link and say we should be friends. I mean, what? There is no, I mean, the chances got to be, you got to win the lottery in every state in the U.S. twice to be connected. Now, the irony to this is the ministry, it's Lou Engel's ministry for abortion, the abolition of abortion, and it's called Bound for Life. I mean, the, the name is not even relevant the name is, about, is for abortion, but God 
in his greatness, knew that these two men would be there. And he said, I got a funny little twist that when you read this, it's going to touch your heart. And in fact, millions of readers are going to be like, wow, God, you're so big. You sit above the circle of the earth, bound for life. You don't eat. We make choices to, to follow him. But I've said it before. I'll say it again. These modern planes, the pilots, sipping their coffee, having a conversation. They're, they got their hands on the wheel, but the computer's flying this thing. All their planes are coming. They don't even know what's going on in the sky. The computer's figuring it out. That's us. That's us. He lets you put your hands on the wheel, but God is watching over this whole thing. But where they prayed was Lake Providence. You know what that word providence means? God is so big. Come on, he's so big. He's so big. The word providence means the protective care of God. The protective care of God. It means a synonym is, synonyms of providence are fate and destiny, God's will, divine intervention. Do you realize how big God is? And we look at him like he's just like us. We make him so small. When we take our problems, our worries, our fears, our trials, our troubles, and we put them equal with God, it is such mockery of him. We don't even realize. And he loves us and he'll forgive us of that. And I repent of that. But it makes him so small when he's so big, isn't he? Let's stand.